Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground, presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello, everyone. And nobody else, because everybody else bailed. <laughs> it happens. They, they must I, have lives or something. I, yeah, I guess so. I guess the going to two shows a week is, has cost them some available time. But... Oh, we got things coming. Robbie will be back on the show in some capacity soon. And Daniel is busy with taking over the hosting duties and editing duties on our other show, the Science Fictionary Podcast. It's true. Suddenly, Daniel's very worried about how long we go. (laughs) Yeah, your perspective changes on how long the episode goes when you know you have to edit it. Yep. But... Uh, We were hoping Daniel, Daniel was going to be here with us tonight because he specifically wanted to talk about what is going to be our our main topic tonight, which is these rumors floating around out there regarding Rosario Dawson being cast in the role of Ahsoka Tano to appear in The Mandalorian Season 2. Now, those rumors have gone a little further now. They've been expanded to mention that perhaps this is a backdoor introduction to a character prior to giving her her own Disney Plus series. So not Ahsoka? Yes. Okay, so they think that basically this is just kind of a a live-action introduction for Ahsoka and that there's going to be an Ahsoka series coming? That is, that's the current rumor. Okay. So just at face value, like how do you feel about the casting news, the the rumors that whether it's, you know, how seriously we should take this? All of, all of it. Yeah. All of the related things. Well, I mean, I think Rosario Dawson is a excellent actress. So, I think she would do great as the role in. I mean, ever since it was first suggested, A long time ago, she's been very excited about the idea. So that's always encouraging when you have an actor who's really, really excited about a role, especially a role that's really um, iconic and so well-loved for a lot of people. Well, you're talking about a character. You know, they, they run every so often... Somebody, whether it be StarWars.com or some other website or publication, Star Wars Insider used to run the poll every now and then, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Right. Now, Han Solo almost always wins that poll. Right. But Ahsoka Tano has been, she's not about to overtake Han, but she is a character that despite having only appeared in animation has constantly been creeping up that list. Yep. Yep. She's and, and that's remarkable that they were able to take an animated only character that started off as a character nobody really cared about. In fact, a lot of people just really disliked. Actively disliked a lot of people. I mean, um, you know, whether that was warranted or not, I think some of that just stemmed simply from the fact I never understood even back when they did it why they released that movie as a theatrical right movie it was it should have never been released in theaters expectations for star wars in theater were so high that you couldn't just go release what was basically a long episode of a tv show 
And honestly, I went back and watched it again recently, and it's not a bad Clone Wars arc. No, it's, 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 as far as a Clone Wars story arc, it's fine. Right. It just, and that's the thing. It, it didn't meet the expectations of the audience right. on the big screen. And I think that initially, that was dangerous. It left a bad taste in people's mouth about it. It really shows Filoni was really willing to work through it to make it work. Right. And Lucas. I mean, it wasn't just Filoni. It was primarily mm-hmm. Lucas at the time. But you're talking about a, a really big, significant, beloved character in the Star Wars universe. Right. With a very, very... Here's the other thing, though. Ashley Eckstein is ridiculously popular among Star Wars fans. For good reason. For good reason, for sure. She has been, a, a you know, an ambassador for the brand and a just an important figure in not just Star Wars culture, but just in nerd culture in general. Well, I mean, the, the role she has taken into, you know, it's not that suddenly she opened doors. I mean, there, there have been... There have been women, you know, female Star Wars fans since forever. Mm-hmm. But she she gave them a, a louder, you know, a, a more of a, you know, you could find, and I'm sure you can attest to this, you could find some things, nerd culture, that were made for clothing-wise, that were right. made for women, but they were probably very limited. Not many. And she has really changed that. I mean, yes. And, her, you know, she, I think, really spearheaded kind of a movement. And then, of course, then there's all of the people who kind of came in um, kind of on the tails of that and was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a thing. People actually buy this. And so now a lot of other people have jumped on that bandwagon, which is great. It means I can actually buy, you know, cute things with Star Wars on them now. But she has been, I mean, she's been a Disney ambassador, brand ambassador forever. Yes. A lot of her early days acting were on disney shows okay i didn't realize that yes uh i think her like really big one was uh that's so raven oh wow huh i didn't realize that she was on that so raven and then that's one of the things we were going to talk about and i know daniel wanted to talk about it because he didn't really know about he you know her as a live action actress and rightly so i mean because all the things that most of us know her for or voice work. Or is voice work. She's done a lot of voice work. She's a very good voice actress. But she was on numerous ed- uh, episodes of Blue Collar. She was on that 70s show. She was on JAG in 2001. She did the at least one episode of Drake and Josh, which was another Disney right. series. And then was on That's So Raven. Okay, that's funny. So, I mean, she wasn't just on that show. Yeah, she was a, a recurring character. You know, she she doesn't have a real deep credits list, but she she has credits right. um, as a live actor and action actress. But I guess the question, before we really get too far into talking about Ashley Eckstein specifically in, in, in her playing the role... Because she's so beloved and because people know that character and, and the voice, I, Filoni has always, has done something very interesting with a lot of his characters where he really highlights those characters' voices. Yeah. Um, 
especially when we you know we get character voices that other characters are hearing when that you know character's not there ahsoka's one of those when mm-hmm. when we hear her talk we know that voice right it's it's a very distinct voice sounds nothing like rosario dawson yeah that's true and granted she's going to play a limited part in this in the mandalorian and it's going to give people a chance to gauge how people react to Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, if that's what's happening. If, if, if that's this, if this is thing. true, yeah. But I mean, is this as risky as recasting Han Solo? No, no. You you have a really great Star Wars movie in Solo, and a lot of people still won't watch that movie. Yeah, because it's not true. Harrison Ford, and there are. A lot of people that really, really like Ahsoka Tano. It's true. I think there's going to be some pushback because Ashley Eckstein has, or Eckstein, next to however the name is pronounced, but she has actually been saying for a while that if the character was ever done live action, she wanted to do it. Hey, and she's cosplayed the character and and Mm -hmm. she can pull it off. Yeah. And... You know, there's talk of her not being able to carry on, you know, do the physical role. I don't know if I agree with that. I just have no idea. I've never, you know, I don't know that she's done any particularly physical roles. That doesn't mean that she can't. It just means that it's not something that that we've seen her do. So here's the thing. Depending on what, and we'll get into this in a minute, like what we think she's going to do in The Mandalorian. You know, all other things, whether there's another show coming or not is totally not important right now. The important thing is the 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 front rumor that she's going to appear in right. the Mandalorian, which Ashley X Eckstein uh, has officially said she is not involved in the Mandalorian. She right. has definitively said so. Unless she's just lying through her teeth, which I don't think that she is, she is definitely not. If Ahsoka is in the Mandalorian, it is not her. You know, here is my big concern with the whole thing, is that in addition to Ahsoka being so loved, Ashley Eckstein is a beloved Disney actress. Mm -hmm. She's been the best brand ambassador. I would put her up there next to Anthony Daniels Mm -hmm. on the brand ambassador list for Star Wars since before Disney made the purchase. Right. That she she's been the face of Star Wars in the absence of movies, right? She was the face of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't want to see, and I can't imagine this. I can't imagine Dave Filoni saying, "I'm going to go cast anybody else, anybody else in the role of Ahsoka Tano, and not talk to Ashley first. Right? Which is the number one thing throwing doubt in my mind to the validity of any of this. Right. Because Ashley wrote a message on her Instagram earlier today where the whole thing really seems to come as a shock Mm -hmm. to her and and reads as if written by someone who's a little hurt. Right. It's very professional. She's not slinging mud. She's not acting miffed. It, but yeah, it definitely doesn't come across as like, I'm thrilled about all of this. And it, it's out there. It's a long paragraph. I'm not going to read it on the air. But if, you, if you're if you interested, it's on her Instagram. I'm sure it's everywhere by now. But you can find 
what Ashley Eckstein had to say about these rumors. You know, she she does say in there that that it has been her dream for 14 years to continue to play Ahsoka Tano in all forms. And I just can't picture a world in which Dave Filoni would not have told her before this news leaked that this was happening. Unless for some reason Dave had no control over it. Right. Which is also scary because I don't know if I want anybody else having that kind of control over that character. If Dave's not going to be involved with the creation of that character's story, then it doesn't need to happen. I think that's fair. This is his character. This is, I mean, you know, this is his character like Luke Skywalker is George Lucas's character. Yes. We don't particularly want anyone to last Jedi Ahsoka for us. (laughs) Right. You know, all that being said... I would. L- I, I'm fine with Rosario Dawson playing the character. Mm-hmm. Like you said, she's a fantastic actress. I think she looks enough for the part to pull it off. She mm-hmm. she's a good actress. She can do the physical role. Her voice is different, and I know there was some early talk, and I, I mentioned it just because why not? You know, it's always the possibility of them dubbing the voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen. Yeah. But I don't think you're hiring Rosario Dawson to dub her voice. Probably not. I mean, at this point, I kind of hope that it's not true. I and mean, at this point, though, the second season of The Mandalorian is done. That's water under the bridge. Just we haven't seen it yet. Right. You know, I think we're both in agreement. Like, I, my first choice to play the role is Ashley Eckstein. Mm-hmm. Period. Like, I never would have even thought about... Someone else playing the role. Um, that being said, if it's Rosario Dawson, that's awesome. I hope things are remain okay with between Disney and Ashley Eckstein. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that that's not as kind of you know stab in the back that it kind of could turn out to be. Right. But all that being said. I will be happy to see either one of those actresses portray that character on screen. So I guess the continuation of the question is moving on from who should play the part. What do we really expect to see of this character in in The Mandalorian Season 2? I mean, honestly, like we said on that live stream the other night, I don't expect to see much of her. You know, uh... A hologram, an episode maybe, you know, maybe like Fennec Shand, you know, show up for an episode, do her little thing, and then she's gone. Because, you know, like I've said before, I feel like she's a potentially show-stealing character. Mm -hmm. They don't want the Mandalorian to become the Ahsoka show. Right. No, you you don't want to have spent a season building this character and his surrounding characters up. Right. Only to have the show stolen by the arrival of Ahsoka Tano. So here's a question. What if Rosario Dawson is just a different Togruta? It's certainly possible. I mean... I mean, all all these rumors could have stemmed from a set image, a production photo, uh, somebody oversaw something on set. Yeah, who knows? Now that I would be happy to see. I would love to see 
another Togruta, you know, another Togruta, you know, we've only really seen Shakti and Ahsoka. So yeah, more, I'm down with more aliens. Yeah. I, who knows uh, as far as the rumors. So just, you know, assuming that the rumors are true, that she's going to be in the Mandalorian, I don't see her being in more than an episode. No. Frankly. I would be really surprised. And what do we think that, what do we think the encounter is? Because there's another thing here where we have this whole dynamic where Ahsoka is off in the unknown regions or in wild space searching for Ezra Bridger with with Sabine Sabine. Wren. Yeah. This occurs, you know, some, at least sometime after they've left. I mean, they, they leave sometime right after the end of the war with the empire. Right. And this is five years after. So they could be back, but this is a significant story point. Right. Do we want to just, that's, that's a good point. Do we want to spill the beans on exactly how that story ends that they sort of tease there at the end of rebels in her showing up for 30 seconds or an episode of another show. No, we want the show with Sabine and Ahsoka. That is what we want. Yeah. So could this be that we're only going to see her and and could they even, would they even consider bringing on someone as big as Rosario Dawson to play this character in a hollow projection? Heck yeah. But if you're going to do a hollow, like, why would you even consider signing a, a different actress? That's true. Because then I would argue that the more important thing is the voice, and you, you don't even need, you could almost do it animated. Yeah, that's true. Um, so th- the significant story point here is that she may be back. Yeah. Which means that Sabine may be back and... Maybe Ezra's back and possibly Thrawn. Thrawn, who we don't really know. When Thrawn comes back, I you know, we don't really know what his story is going to be post-Empire. Right. I mean, he's not, I don't see him coming back. I, I would assume that he would. He, his, his whole thing is, is order. And so, yeah. you know, it, does he just go back to the ascendancy? I think so. I don't think he hangs around for the drama, the fallout. He's not going to be interested in the First Order. And he's not going to be interested, even if he happened to be out in the Exegol neighborhood, he's not going to be interested in that weird cult cloning affair that Palpatine's got going there. That's not what he's all about. So I would assume the only reason to have Ahsoka Tano show up is in relation to the child. Yeah. So I'm going to assume for now that we're either going to see them get in touch with her somehow via hollow mm-hmm. while she's still on her adventure, mm-hmm. which means they've been out there a long time. Right. Or they're back and we might see Sabine. I've argued for a while that, you know, if Sabine's back, she needs to show up in this show. Yeah. I she's think been so. very critical to the. To, to the to the Mandalorian story, right? Um, uh, up to this point, in a 
at least leading, you know, in in a imperial under imperial rule. Mm-hmm. So it, it would be interesting now to see her show back up. I mean, is she the one that's going to show back up? I mean, she has some claim on the uh, on the dark saber, right? Provided that the person that she turned it over to is dead, and she's the last person that won it, right? Yes. So. Because my, you know, I, I really want to see a story in the Mandalorian of, I want to see the Mandalorians reemerge from the shadows. Right. We want to see the Mandalorians. Now, I'm okay if that doesn't happen for a few seasons. Yeah. But eventually, I think the end goal needs to be to see Mandalore, the the rule of Mandalore restored. Whoever is going to bear that title. Right. And and the Mandalorians come out of the shadows. Yeah. So I, th- I think we're kind of in agreement on on the Ahsoka thing. I, I don't think she's going to p- play this. She may play an important role, but it's going to be limited as far as how much she's actually around for this story. I really think so. I will be really shocked if we see more than just a few minutes of her. I'm also interested, you know, there's talk of so kind of moving away from that rumor into the rumor that this may be a backdoor for a, um, a, a live action series. Right. The only thing is, I'm not sure, like, are we going to do a series set during the same time period as, as the Mandalorian? Are we going to, I mean, we're going to do, are, are we going to deal with, with what Ahsoka's doing in a post-imperial world? Maybe Ahsoka and Sabine go Ezra hunting is going to be live action, not animated like we have all assumed. That could be interesting. I mean, that would mean a whole lot of things as far as seeing a lot of characters that I really didn't ever think I would see live action done live action. Yeah. Because you're going to basically, your 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 whole primary cast is going to be from the animated world. So... Yeah, there are the rumors out there about the an- animated sequel right. to Rebels. Really, and I think those rumors are mostly just founded on the, the kind of leading ending for the series. Well, there there were some rumors, I mean, that came out just a couple of weeks ago that something is in the works in the animated department that is supposedly a sequel series. Okay. Which does make sense in that... From a certain point of view. Well... I always said that Resistance was a placeholder. Right. That Star Wars Resistance was simply there until they were ready to do their next really big project. That's why it never got the 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 attention or the time or slot. Or the time <laughs> slot or you know, it was it, it was not it was not really given a chance to really excel. Filoni's busy on other projects. You know, I don't know. I, I always felt like Resistance was a placeholder. Yeah. Resistance either, it was either a placeholder or marked a significant decline in the quality of Star Wars animation. Yeah, hopefully the former. And, you know, while there was some good stuff in the Resistance series, it's just, it's not on par. Yeah. And before you slam me for, for saying that, because it was made for kids... My kids feel the same way. Yeah. My five-year-old, my eight-year-old, my 10-year-old all feel the exact same way. Yeah. They like it. 
they enjoyed watching it. But they would watch Rebels or Clone Wars any day. They're not clamoring to watch it again. Right. And they watched Clone Wars and Rebels on repeat. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose it could be possible that we could be doing the Ahsoka Sabine story live action. I still think that's a little unlikely. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, it's possible. But if that's not it, then what would a live action Ahsoka series look like? Do we want to see us? Do, do we care that much about Ahsoka in a post-Imperial era? I think in, so. In, do we, unless she's, unless she is helping Luke. Right. Search for info and help Luke rebuild the order, which so far it doesn't appear she really was. Right. Then I don't know what we hope to see Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. do in this era. Unless she's training people. You know, I guess we could introduce the character and then go back. We could go back and do a... The thing is, is Ahsoka's story has been more well told than really any other character in Star Wars. Except maybe, maybe Anakin's. Except maybe Anakin's. But she's right up there with Anakin in in the length of her story that's told. I mean, we we saw both those characters from children... Right. Grow into the, the the characters that they they become. Right. And you know, we, we've got she's got a book. She's been in two both animated series or two of the animated series. I don't know what story you set out to tell here. Right. For for Ahsoka. I'm not saying it can't be done or that I wouldn't be excited to watch it, but unless you're gonna tell part of her story that's already been told Right. Now, granted, during Rebels, a lot of the time during Rebels, we don't know exactly where she is. Right. She's just sort of a doing exactly the same thing that I expect to see her do in The Mandalorian. Right. See, Mandalorian is not actually the series I expected her to show up in. And this could be another spot where the rumors might be a little off. Hmm. I always expected if this character was going to show up, that she would show up in Cassian. Yep. That seems like that would be a lot more likely. It makes more sense. She's a spy. Yep. She's the spy. She's the fulcrum. So I really, like, I know that series is in development, too. And I, I'm sure their filming is on hold right now. I know they're they're still planning to film this summer, but I guess we'll see if that happens or not. That's not looking too promising right now, unfortunately. But that makes more sense to me. And that's the era that makes the most sense to set her in because that's the era where we don't really know what she's out there doing. She doesn't seem to have, at least with what they've built so far in the post-Empire era, her fingerprints aren't on that. Right. And I don't know that it makes sense to try to force them to be. I'm, I'm fine with her coming back from her search from Ezra and... Moving on in some way, shape, or form, even if it's whether it's with helping Luke or what, but there's there's no evidence that she was out there fighting the first order. First order, you know, and I think that she needs. I think her character has earned a little. Once they finally find Ezra, I mean, the woman's entitled to a little bit of rest. She's been running. You know, she spent, ever since she was 12 years old, you know, she spent the next 
what, five years in the middle of a war and then goes from there to being hunted. And and that doesn't end until the emperor dies. So, I mean, at the, at the point where the emperor's gone, she's finally, finally, she's free for the first time ever. Right. So let me kind of throw a a little bit different concept than I'm seeing thrown around right now. Okay. For the end of Sabine, Ahsoka, and Ezra's story. Okay. So when they disappear, when Ezra disappears, when mm-hmm. Ezra and Thrawn vanish. Right. We already know now that Thrawn is becoming more and more concerned with some things that are going on within the Ascendancy. Right. Um, new enemies, uh, you know, in wild space. But we've learned some other interesting thing about children who can wield the Force on, you know, within the Ascendancy. Yes. Huh. They're very valuable. Yes. But what if what we actually saw was... This is more interesting to me than trying to pull Ezra, particularly particularly Ezra and Ahsoka, back into our main galaxy. Storyline, yeah. I think it would be way more interesting to see them somehow fall in line with Thrawn and battling this new enemy. Yes, I'd be and down training with Force users within the Ascendancy. Right. Yeah, I think that would definitely be... Um, a really interesting story because that's how they navigate, right? They don't have the same kind of hyperspace charts and all of that. That right? The, because, well, you can't, you can't because of the so far what they've built this idea of the way wild space works. You know, and is that it's more fluid? Is that things are moving around a lot more? Right, and so the it's harder to chart, almost impossible to chart. Right. Hyperspace routes. So you have to be force sensitive to plot hyperspace routes, which is what we see. That's what um, Thrawn Alliances is really just about, is basically uh, Vader is takes that, that role of charting those, those hyperspace routes. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think it would be really interesting if we actually see if we see our, our rebels characters go a different direction, because then, it, you know, there, there becomes a point where, why aren't they, if they're still around, where is Ahsoka? You right. know, when, if, if Luke is rebuilding the Jedi order, if we're making a big deal about how all connected these things are, do we really believe that Ahsoka Tano is not going to go track down Anakin Skywalker's kids? Right, unless she's died in the meantime. Think- and the indication, so right now, you know, in the in the old expanded universe, Luke started his Jedi Academy just a few years after right. the end of Return of the Jedi. But all indications are that Luke spent a long time out there just searching. That's the book he- I want took up his you know before he started to to build his academy i want i want luke goes searching and finds ahsoka tano that's the book i want like legends of luke skywalker ahsoka edition who do you want to write it oh who don't want to write it um claudia gray yeah yeah i don't know who else i'd want to write that one all right, so moving on from the Ahsoka news, and like I said, that was definitely our main topic and filled a good bit of our time here, but it's a big topic. 
it's kind of cool that even to have the rumors floating around that Ahsoka is going to appear in live action. Yeah. But moving on from there, we've got, we had the, the, since we recorded last, I believe we've had the end of the Kylo Ren series. Yes. We might've recorded since then, but I know our last episode, we didn't do anything but cover Project Luminous. Right. Um, Right. You know, and some of the stuff we're talking about tonight, we actually talked about, if you want to hear a lot more opinions on the Ahsoka Tano stuff, go over to the Scarif Scuttlebutt on their YouTube channel, and you will find a live stream we did this past week with them and, and, a, and a few others. And uh, it was a very good live stream. We had a great time hanging out. And For two you, and a half hours. Yeah, it's a long one. It's about a two hour and 15 minute uh, video, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, but since we recorded last... We think the last Kylo Ren comic came out. Yep. So finished off that story. Been lots of buzz around that. Lots of people talking, and you know, I'm I'm hearing people say, basically, well, now that we have more of Kylo Ren's story, we realize it really wasn't his fault after all. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's the story. And I'm thinking to myself. I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that what we see is that, like we always thought, you know, the character took the, the weight of what his actions are, are firmly on his shoulders. Yes, it started from some things, you know, some misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. But it's clear now that Palpatine had been pulling his strings well before the the temple was destroyed. Right. You know, we even have some questions in that comic book. Back going back to the first one, as a four issue comic, mm-hmm. we're not totally sure that Kylo destroyed that temple. Right. You know, I, there was some question left there as to what exactly destroyed that temple. Right. The thing is, though, that I think so. You know, kind of people are like, well, you know, he didn't do all those things that we thought, terrible things we thought he did. He didn't do any of them. Okay, so even if he didn't destroy the temple, even if his version of what happened that night whenever he saw Luke Skywalker standing over him with an ignited lightsaber was the honest-to-goodness truth, he still, whenever he was desperate, he still went looking for the evil person. And he took the advice to go find the Knights of Ren, who he knew to be evil. The thing is, when he decided, I'm going to be one of those guys, that's when he made his decision was not quite as cut and dry and drastic as Anakin's. He sort of skirts the edge for a lot longer of willing to commit to being a truly terrible person. But ultimately, he does. Ultimately, when he chooses to murder his friend, then he, that's when he finally walks over the line. And yes, he does. He, he, he walks the fence for a lot longer than we thought that he had. We thought that he just pulled that temple down, just killed everybody, and was just, you know, the devil's spawn from that day on. It turns out that's not exactly what happened. But... I think that the fact, even though he took a longer path to get there, he wound up in the same place. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, he still winds up in a very dark place. And I, I would still say that, you know, Daniel's made arguments that, and I think now he, he's not, I think Daniel has backtracked a little bit on some of this, but that Kylo Ren was less redeemable mm-hmm. than, than Anakin. Right. Um, but, you know, Anakin, everything falls apart completely for right. Anakin. Right. Anakin is trying to do good. He never stops trying to do good until that moment where he gives up. Right. He's lost everything and he gives up. Right. And he will do anything to continue to be ha- ha- for the, for him to have the power over Padme's life or death. So, and then and but with Kylo in that in that fourth issue of this comic series, we see that he willingly makes the decision to to kill for his own gain in killing Ren. Right. And then we see him kill just out of just pure maliciousness, really. Yeah. When he kills the other students. Once he embraces it, he embraces it. And he is still, by the time the Force Awakens starts, by, by the time the Force Awakens starts, he is still the person who looks at an entire village of people and says, kill them all, and turns around and leaves. Well, and, and furthermore, in Resistance, we know that he was leading the uh, fleets that carried out genocide across multiple planets. Right. You know, he's he's every bit as dark and evil as Vader at his worst. You know, all at the behest of Palpatine. And I mean, he plays him like a daggum fiddle. He knows all the buttons to push. He knows all, you know... He knows all the weaknesses, and and he he's masterful at exploiting them. But you know, ultimately, I think that we we learn a lot about how Kylo Ren became the person that we see at the beginning of the Force Awakens. But it doesn't make me feel any differently about the character ultimately, except for it to be like, except to realize that he had been manipulated he he had he wasn't just evil just for the fun of it but that he had been coerced and manipulated into that position yeah i don't know i mean i don't feel i, I don't f- my thing with kylo ren was always that i saw him as the spoiled kid and, and we've said this on here before kind of came across in the movies as this kid who you know he had a mother he had a father he had his family there and even though those those family members were busy. They were still there. We don't. We learn later that he doesn't go to train with Luke. I mean, as a, like a small child. I mean, he's right. You know, at least a teenager by the time he kind of starts going off with Luke. And okay, and can we just point out, like for hundreds of years, large portions of people sent their kids to boarding school and they did not all turn out to be homicidal, genocidal maniacs because their mommies and daddies abandoned them. Right. I'm sorry. That's not how that works. But that's the thing. There's been this narrative built that his his mother, you know, his his mother was too busy and his father abandoned him. Right. But the timeline, and we, we talked about this, the timeline in the book for the visual guide for The Rise of Skywalker, I mean... 
he's an adult when he destroys the temple. I mean, it's not like this happened years before when he was a kid. I mean, he's like, tw- it, what, 24? Like 22 or something like that when he destroys the temple. Okay, he's the age that I was when I got married and had my first baby. <laughs> I mean, that's an honest-to-God grown-up. Right. I mean, yes, a lot younger than I thought it was when I was 22. And, 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 and Han doesn't really leave. Right. Until after that happens. Right. So there's this been this whole, and I, I don't understand it, but this whole narrative that has been built around these characters to excuse his behavior. Um, and I find that, I find that really odd. I find it worrisome. And worrisome. That we we spent all this time looking at the villain and trying to make excuses for him. Well, I've said it before. If Adam Driver weren't pretty, nobody would care. I mean, ultimately, I think that's what it is, is he's attractive. And so we have to make a some sort of explanation for how someone that pretty could be that terrible. And so, well, clearly he was, you know... Someone treated him badly. I'm sorry. The whole narrative that because somebody was mean to me, guess what? I had a crappy childhood and so did you. And we still get to be decent, upstanding people that are nice to our children and pay our taxes. That's all I'm saying. You can have a crappy childhood and still not kill masses of people. It is a thing. Well, in universe, I would say like his father... Had a terrible childhood. Yes, I would say. And grew up to be a hero of the rebellion. Right. So, I don't know. There's been a lot of weird narratives built around Kylo Ren. I think that the that four series comic book does incredible things to flesh out his background. Yep. Um, it didn't give me everything I wanted. What did you want that you didn't get? I, I feel like there were still some some pieces of the story, and it's not necessarily with Kylo. You know, it's a lot of it's to do with how did Snoke wind up being part of this kid's life, right? Anyway, where did where did they even meet? Right. Um. You know. So when did this start? When did when did Palpatine start messing with this kid? Well, presumably as soon as he was born, if I had to guess, knowing him and who how he works. Right. Of course, we still, I mean, we still, I, I haven't read the novelization yet. I do want to read that. But there's still some kind of up in the air stuff with exactly what form Palpatine, like Palpatine. What is we he? Say, is he? Is he a wraith? Is he, is he just, is that actually Palpatine? Is that a clone? Is, you know... What is going on? I think they left some some crazy unanswered questions there. I don't know if I need or want it all explained. I don't know. You you do risk making it worse <laughs> by trying to explain it at this point. Yeah, there's there's that's true. Honestly, like I've said, I know it bothered a lot of people more than it bothered me. It was just like he's creepy. He's here. He shouldn't be. He's doing something twisted and evil to be here. That's enough for me. I would still like to know a little bit more about the backstory of Snoke and and how all that. But yeah, I mean, I would like to know more about kind of the backstory of where this really started for right. Kylo Ren. We really pick up after he's he's already been corrupted. 
Yeah. You know, Palpatine's already gotten under his skin. You know, he's he's fed into these feelings. You know, Kylo Ren is, or Ben Solo, I guess, rather. Ben has grown up in the shadow of Johns. So he wants to be his own person. Right. And for some reason, we built this narrative that he somehow couldn't be his own person as long as he bore the name of these other great people. Right. It's it's a it's it's a shaky premise. Yeah. But it's the premise they went with, so we'll, we'll go with it. But it's I don't know. It, it's it's still a little bit of that kind of just coming across as my life's not exactly what I want it to be, so I'm Yeah. Although I mean the whole changing his name thing, that's a pretty time-honored Sith tradition, right? You know, it Anakin is. Skywalker it, well, is it dead. It is, but we we see we see Sith. The only Sith we ever see given a name is Vader. But well, but we know that Count Dooku is now Darth Tyrannus, B- right? But as far as like seeing like the the like when this character right. became this other character, right? Is it something that a master generally bestowed upon a student? Mm-hmm. You know, I get the impression, you know, we don't really know a lot about what these names are. They named for older or for others in honor of. There is a um, talk in, I think, one of the visual guides or something about a Darth Wren, like back back in the old days. Right. But we don't see we, we don't see them change their name because they're unhappy with the name they were given. Right. Which is. The story that we got for Kylo, that he, at least it's part of what's used to encourage him down this road. Well, although I think that they kind of, especially in the sequel trilogy, went with and, a... And we, we don't really ever use the term Sith in relation to... That's true, but that's what he wants to be, even if he isn't actually. But, you know, they, they've kind of endowed the names with particular significance in the sequel trilogy, um, which is why I think... Ray ends the story with um, taking on the moniker of Skywalker because, you know, the kind of the, all the age old question of what's in a name. She chooses that that's who she wants to be. She doesn't want to be a Palpatine. She doesn't want to be Ray nobody. She wants to be one of them. And I think that Ben Solo's decision to be Kylo Ren is just sort of his youthful, um, lashing out of you know i don't want to be that person i don't want to have anything to do with those people i'm not like ben kenobi and i'm not like han solo but it's not the most mature thing he ever does for sure (laughs) i mean that being said in spite of the fact that you know we're kind of going with the whole names are important thing you know it's kind of a narrative point the fact does still remain it's kind of a childish move but he's a bit of a childish man. Scary powerful, but definitely has some childish qualities still. So, <clears throat> we haven't gotten to see, we don't have the new movie on video yet, on, on disc yet. Uh, we, we didn't, we don't pre-order digital, we ordered discs. So we didn't get the early, the early yeah, digital least, release. Right. But we'll get our disc, provided nothing happens to the mail. If it does, then we shall relent and get the digital version. <laughs> yeah, if if the mail gets messed up, then yeah, we'll just uh, go ahead and buy the digital twice. But 
one of the things we haven't talked about, I really was hoping that we could get everybody else on tonight to talk about this. We'll have to do this with them later. So I kind of feel with Star Wars now, like we're kind of getting up in the in the area of there's too many to just rank. Yeah. Like we quit doing that with Marvel movies a while back because it, it got to the point where you're trying to shuffle around 22 movies. Right. And, and keep them straight. And the truth is, is that they kind of lump into groups mm-hmm. anyway. Especially, yeah. the, you know, the MCU, like everybody's been bickering all week over what the worst MCU movie is. And it's like, man, you're arguing over what's the worst movie in a bunch of movies that don't have any bad ones. Right. It's like, yes, you. there are a few that are less good than the others. That doesn't, yeah. But they're not bad movies. Yeah. You know, even what I would consider the weakest two in Thor 2 and, and Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 is a fine movie. There's nothing wrong with Iron Man 3. Yeah. It fits, it 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 feels different than the rest of the MCU. Mm-hmm. There are some things in that movie that make it not feel like it's part of the same thing. And for that, I put it at near the bottom. Right. As a movie all by itself, it's fun. Kind of like some other movies we could name. Hmm, let's think hard. Thor 2, it, it's it's. Probably the weakest of all of the MCU movies. It's fine. But it's fine. It's got some good stuff in it. Loki's great in it. Loki is so good. So, I, you know, it was one of those things where it's a little dry. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're arguing over that. But anyway, getting back to, like, we, you know, more or less, and we haven't really done our rankings. It's something we need to do on the other show. Mm-hmm. But more or less what I started doing somewhere along the way, for a while, I just started splitting it in two and going, does it make my top half? Right. And I'm kind of still there, but I've kind of, we've gotten so big now that I kind of go, does it break my top five? Right. So if we were to break the Star Wars universe in half, which you can't do evenly because there's 11 movies. Unless right. you want to throw the animated film in and make it an even 12. but Make sure you get one in the I bottom half. I still hate to use the animated film for the reasons we mentioned at the beginning of this show. It, right. it should have never been a theatrical release. Right. It automatically goes to the bottom of everybody's list. Right. Because it's, it's not on par with the other theatrical releases. And, and therefore I usually leave it out. And that I, and so if you love that movie, I don't leave it out because I hate it because I don't, right. I leave it out because it's different. Yes. Um, and it's not like a, Iron Man three. It is not a fair comparison to compare that movie to the live action films. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day we get an animated star Wars movie that can compare, but right now we don't have that. So, if you say 11, we'll just say top five, does the new movie crack your top five? Maybe. I mean, I really liked it. So I you cried. do you do rank this one above The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I want to watch it again. I'm still not sure if I put it above The Force Awakens. Hmm. I definitely put it above The Last Jedi. I probably would say this is my top 
movie of the sequel trilogy. So, but does it break my top five? Clearly, four, five, and six are in your top five, right? Four, five, and six are in my top five. Rogue One is in my top five. Mm -hmm. So, what it really boils down to... Do you like Solo? Or do you like... Well, okay, so when we did our rankings before, when we first started this show, we did our rankings. Uh I put The Force Awakens in my top five. Okay. Now, granted, Solo came out after that. Solo came out about the time we started this show. I think we were only a couple episodes in when Solo came out. Yeah. I really, at least at this point, I would say that the Force that the Rise of Skywalker would would be my fifth movie. It, it's it's on the bubble, but it, it mm-hmm. would be my fifth. It would make my top five. You never said. I said I think. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I'm not good at, like, objectively which ones I like better. It depends on what kind of day you catch me on. I don't know. I'll have to think on that. Rogue One is the only movie so far in the Disney era of Star Wars films that I would consider cracking my top three. And I kind of go back and forth on it and Jedi. I mean, Return of the Jedi is the most Star Warsy Star Wars movie ever made. Yes, for sure. But it's... And, 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 but by that same token, so is Solo. Solo is Solo super Star Wars. follows up on Return of the Jedi in some ways better than any other movie ever has. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add tonight? I don't think so. All right. Well, we've got, we've been away. You know, this is our first episode in a few weeks, but. We've been sick. We've been sick, sick, sick and sick. we've been, uh, you know, we've been hiding from the virus and. Um, I think we'll be doing a lot more. We'll be doing at least every week. Because Andrew doesn't have any more work. No, work has dried up, so now I'm a professional podcaster. Hooray! Send us money for our (laughs) podcasting. So we may start doing some stuff on the YouTube channel. Check us out at at our other show, the Science Fictionary Podcast. Um, If you're ever looking for the show and not sure exactly where to find it, check out thesciencefictionary.com. We're during this time, we're going to start trying to really do a lot more with the website while we've got time. And we're all bored. Actually, I'm not bored. This really doesn't affect my life. I still have three kids that have to be homeschooled. I don't have any more time than usual, but you know, (laughs) everyone else does. So all the other contributors should get on the ball. But no, we've got, we've got stuff coming. We've talked about it before. We've been talking about this for a while, but we are in the process of moving forward with our Star Wars RPG we have spent money, so therefore it shall happen. <laughs> yeah, that's significant that's, amount of money. That's kind of the rule around here is that once money has been spent, like you got to move forward with it. That um, seems fair. So, fortunately, Andrew does not hold me to this on my website. <laughs> but we're going to be doing the old Wizards of the Coast version of the Star Wars RPG. The, the revised edition of that game. Okay. Um, once we play through, once we do for a while, we might end up trying out. There's a new company that's um, Fantasy Flight Games okay. is making the newer versions. Um, but our our GM is uh, more familiar with the D20 system. Right. That's what the old game is. That's what we're going to run with for now. And I'm trying to get my hands. If anybody out there listening has a copy of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide for that book that they'll sell me at a reasonable price. 
read less than three hundred dollars, then yeah, please please uh, get in touch with me on Twitter. So we expect to do a lot of things coming up here on this show to really flesh the show out. There's some some news coming that. Um, I'm just going to have to keep secret for now, but maybe by the time we record our next episode, we can talk a little bit about. As previously mentioned, we did a live stream with the Jedi Temple Archives, Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, uh, Conversations. Who else was in there? Was that... The um, guy from Disney. No. um, uh, Friends of the Force podcast were there. Um, You can find all of that on the Scarif Scuttlebutt YouTube channel. I think that's going to do it for us for tonight. Marisha, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. You can see all the random things that I'm doing in quarantine. This week, I'm curling hair. It's very exciting. But in general, I'm costuming my children. We do lots of Star Wars cosplay, different kinds of cosplay, and that's where all of my pictures go up. Also, the princess, I'm sorry, not the princesses. Also, princessesandpadawans.com. I've got a few tutorials up for some projects that I've done that I'm really proud of. And also, occasionally, I'm on Twitter at ppadawans. All right. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this channel at CRU underscore podcast. That's crew podcast on Twitter and you can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. You can check us out at the sciencefictionary.com. And until next week, may the force be with you. <laughs>